Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that keeps you up to date with your Houston Texans here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. That would be Texans All Access, and it's Thursday. That means it's time for the General. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle joining us. General, how's it going? Mark, I am doing very well. How are you? Well, I'm looking forward to going to Nashville. I know you know a lot about this city, so we'll talk to you about how the Titans are feeling. Bet I know where you're going to dinner. Uh, I think you do, because I think you helped. I think you know everybody in Nashville, so you helped with the reservation. I appreciate that. I helped with two with you guys at the Southern, which Mm -hmm. is one of the great restaurants there. And then uh, I helped uh, Aaron Wilson at Kane Prime. Oh, that's another good one. Yep. I'm fortunate to know some people there. In fact, the guy who owns Kane Prime, Jim Caden, one of the greatest guys I've ever met. I do a charity with him every year for Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy in which it's uh, fightdmd.com is the website of the family that I do it for because it's an insidious disease that strikes mm-hmm. only little boys, and there is no, they don't survive. Really? Awful. So I've been Boy. doing it for a few years. Did it with Mike Vrabel and John Robinson at Jim Caden's Italian Restaurant on that same street to help them raise money. So I, uh, you guys are going to have a blast at the Southern Aaron's going to have a blast at Kane Prime, and I'm going to be watching college football all day and night at Sports Bar. All right, sounds good. Well, it, it's a great city. I, I think in the AFC South, if you had to ask me what's the best road trip, that's got to be the best one. I mean, it's Nashville. It's a great place to go. I think Indy has its assets. Jacksonville certainly does. If you're going to go for a long weekend, including golf, Jacksonville is your place. There's no doubt in my mind about that, but Nashville is a special place. I just hate the Titans so much. All right, let's start here. And it's a people ask me, and I know they do this with you. What's a road trip to go to? I say Nashville. It's short mm-hmm. of the, all the flights. It's one of the cheaper ones. Stay downtown. Stay downtown. You can you can walk everywhere. You have great restaurants, clubs, music, anything you want. And I love Indy because you can walk everywhere, and they have yeah. great restaurants. But uh, and in Jacksonville, I always I know where y'all stay. I stay out at the airport. Mm-hmm. I used to go there, and we would stay in Sawgrass and play the golf Ooh. course there. And it just killed me so much. I, I I got so frustrated on the Island Green one time. I with nobody behind me, we <laughs> went up and hit from the women's tees just so we could get on the green. And uh, but it was so hard. I haven't played there in years. But to me, I like going to all our AFC South cities. Yeah, we stayed at the TPC Sawgrass once, I think, because we couldn't get any other hotel. That was a nice miss, actually. Yes, it certainly was. I didn't get to play the course that day. All right, Texans and Titans this Sunday. General, following the loss to the Patriots, here are the Texans trying to regroup for week two. Are you with me that this is Bill O'Brien's strong point, really, dealing with adversity, coming off a loss, you're going on the road, circle the wagons, get everybody fired up and come away with a win. I mean, that's been a formula for him throughout his time here to be able to do that on some key occasions. He's got to uh, make sure Deshaun Watson plays this game like he played in the second half at New England. It's so funny to me, Mark, that they were so bad on the passing game in the first half, and they still lose by seven. You know, they, they struggle on the pass rush. I think I tweeted the last time Brady got touched was when Giselle kissed him, <laughs> kissed him goodbye this morning, wished him luck, something like that. <laughs> and then in the second half, it got better. You know, yeah. they were a better team in the second half. Watson throws an end zone interception. They run out of downs at the 17. And they had some blunders, that, and they still lose by seven. And, uh, and some players, like Clowney and Merciless, 
you know, they didn't do much. And mm-hmm. so because they've been out so long, and so now you know they're going to get better. Watts showed it in the second half. So this this game, you don't want to start 0-2. You don't want to lose the divisional game. You know, Bill O'Brien's not thinking this way, but and neither is Mike Vrabel. Bill doesn't want to lose to Mike. Mike doesn't want to lose to Bill. That's not the case. They don't want to lose, period, after starting losing 27-20. to And uh, so I, I think it's going to be fun. You think last time that Watson, the only time Watson played against the Titans, he put up 57. And I'm writing a column for tomorrow, and I'd forgotten about this. In two games, the last two years, against the Titans, Fuller has played a huge role. Last year, two touchdown catches. The year before, seven for 81, a touchdown, 67-yard touchdown to beat the Titans. So he's coming back in the nick of time. And So I look for a whole lot better Texans offense, and I look for the defense to be all over Marcus Mariota. Offensive line, John. Martinez Rankin gets thrust into action at left tackle following the injury to Henderson. They make the switch, and Rankin really hadn't practiced much at all. But I guess he did pretty well under those circumstances, and they're looking for him to take a week one to week two jump. Julian Davenport had never played uh, the right side uh, in a regular season game going back to college. He's always a left tackle. So he moved over. Both gave up a sack in the game. and But you could see that both getting more comfortable as the game went on. Rankin, um, they drafted him to compete to start at left tackle. You know, not right tackle. Davenport, they always knew if indeed that Rankin could win that job, then Davenport could move to the right side. Could happen this year, could happen next year. So it's not surprising. It's just another of many changes they've had to make up front. The best thing about the offensive line, despite all the changes and poor pass protection at times, the run blocking was good. Yeah, they did run the ball well, John. I was going to ask you about that as well. Looks like Alfred Blue's really running with that style. We've seen it the last couple of years that hit the hole, just go. And Lamar Miller, the slim-down version, Miller Light, he looks like he's good to go as well. They really need these two to keep going in that direction. It's so funny, Miller Light, like it's me losing 150 pounds. He <laughs> lost like seven pounds. The thing about Alfred, they gave him a hole, and he got through it. You know, right. He doesn't waste any motion. He's 229 we just got accurate last week. We got accurate weights that where guys are now with Luke Richardson. And it's amazing where they all are. You know, Green Jackson's playing safety at 182, and yet he played one of the best, maybe the best game of his career. Mm-hmm. Tyron Matthews, 185. That's got to be the, the lightest safeties in the league, and both of them had tremendous games. So um, I, I look at the backs, and Alfred actually gained a pass pound but he hit the hole hard mm-hmm. and average on five carries what was 7.2 yards a carry miller averaged 4.9 they would take that any day of the week absolutely behind that line running the ball like that it bodes well for the future now the tight ends ryan griffin not a great game but not all on him of course the passing game yeah. sort of discombobulated i liked what i saw out of the rookies i think that that's going to be interesting to watch develop that position group we talked to Tim Kelly, the tight ends coach, today, and I say, is it hard to get all three of those guys playing time? Because Jordan Thomas looked like a big-time receiver. The best throw that Watson made in that game was, what is it, 26 yards? Towards yeah, the sideline, 27, yeah. perfectly thrown. Thomas caught it. Thomas, 6'5", let's see, 
266 or 277. 277. Which I was surprised about because Brian Gain told me on the air 270. He was listed at 280, but here he is at 277. I guess it's not that surprising. And he moves well, and he played some wide receiver at 280 at Mississippi State. So um, looking at him, I'm thinking, okay, they got to get this guy on the field. He didn't have a catch in preseason. Jordan Aikens, of course, is a really good receiver. And then Griffin, if he just had one catch – it would have been that fourth down play in which he was wide open over the middle and, and Watson overthrew it. But uh, they're going to they're gonna be dangerous, that group is. And having Fuller back to opposite Hopkins, and especially considering he is the first receiver in history that uh, in a season, his first 11 catches, seven went for touchdowns, they averaged 28 yards. And Vrabel knows. Rabel knows yep. exactly what that speed is capable of. All right, John, what about the defense here? As Kevin Johnson goes on IR, they have to replace him and sort of shuffle the deck in the defensive secondary. What do you think? First of all, uh, Bill is not going to give any secrets, of course, about mm-hmm. the possibility of moving Kareem back. Kareem had been covering slot receivers, but so is Aaron Colvin. And Colvin had a good game. I would, leave, I would put Colvin out there opposite uh, Jonathan Joseph and – when they run three wides, not who do you think is going to be the third corner? Eventually, it's going to be Kayvon Webster when he's ready. So, is, are they going to put a safety down there? If you want your five best on the field, it's got to be Kareem, Joseph, Colvin, uh, Matthew, and, and Reed. Reed. Yep. those are your five best, and they can all—they're all versatile. So, I'm thinking that Kareem will be playing uh, corner mm-hmm. in in uh, nickel situations and safety in uh, the base defense. Well, I think that you just mentioned those five. We'll see how they handle it. They don't have to deal with Delaney Walker, by the way, which I think is a big boost for them going into this game. Only missed five games in his career. Marcus Mariota's most reliable target, a very popular guy up there. I think he blew out his knee and his ankle, Uh so he's gone. And Taylor Lewan's out, the left tackle with a concussion. Jack Conklin, their other tackle, both of those guys were number one picks. He's still coming back from torn ACL to end of last season. And uh, their top two picks, linebackers were Sean Evans and Harold. I keep thinking Honor Landry because that's what Vince Young announced in, at the draft when he read mm-hmm. the thing. That's his nickname up there, Honor Landry. <laughs> so Honor didn't play either. Rashawn Evans, who's been out a long time, is supposed to play in this game. Uh, Derek Morgan only played like 14 plays at defensive end, so they've had those issues. I look for the Texans' defense to play really well. I think Watt picked it up in the second half. He's got a lot more confidence in what he can do. Yeah, he can say he's confident, but once you get out there and all of a sudden you're beating double teams and you're getting after Tom Brady, and helping D.J. Reader get a sack by tripping Brady, falling down, and D.J. falling on him and getting the sack. Uh, he's back. And we know Clowney is going to be better. He got held several times from behind. I'm wondering, what are those officials oh looking at? And Don't then, get me started. Whitney, of course, hadn't played since the fifth game of last season, nothing in preseason. So he got off to a slow start, but – yeah, I'll tell you somebody, they got to get on the field. And I don't know how they can do it. And But uh, ask Bill O'Brien about this. Dylan Cole makes plays. Yeah. Him, Cole, Cunningham, and McKinney 
How do you get them on the field at the same time? They play a four three got, when you still got Merciless and you still got Clowney. Uh-huh. And Romeo Cordell comes up with some exotic formations with only one lineman. But man, oh man, those those guys make plays, and uh, I I can't wait to see them. Zach Cunningham was involved in a lot, and I mentioned Kareem Jackson earlier. Eight unassisted tackles, two forced fumbles. Tyron Matthew fumble and a interception. Uh, their safeties are the safety is the most improved position on this team by far. John, what kind of heat is Marcus Mariota under in Nashville? He has not played well going back to the start of preseason. They changed the system. Matt LaFleur, who was here for two years under Kubiak and quality control, is the offensive coordinator. He brought in the Rams' offense. And we saw last year when the Rams exploded in the second half against the Texans, they like to throw the ball downfield. they got to protect the quarterback. And Mariota is has always been more of a guy. He'll throw from the pocket a lot, but he also likes to throw on the move. And that's not what they're doing. It seems to me Matt LaFleur is going to have to adjust what he calls or what he puts in the game plan. Because before he got hurt, before he hurt his his uh, elbow and had to leave, and he's back, he had two interceptions, no touchdowns. His rating was horrible. He was not good. And so um, he, he just doesn't look comfortable. Derrick Henry had like a 65-yard touchdown call back. Yep. Like he had against the Texans last year. Deion Lewis ended up as the leading rusher, but you know they want to pound Henry between the tackles and use Deion Lewis like James White and dare the Texans to cover him. What about their receivers, Davis and Matthews and guys like that? Richard Matthews, I mean, he is what he is, and uh, but – Corey Davis, their number one pick last year, was hurt and a disappointment. Everybody said he's been healthy. He's getting there. I think he had six catches. You know, I don't know if they're still using corner of Dory Jackson at receiver like they did a little bit last year. He got hurt and had to leave the game. i tell you something, Mark. It's going to be fun to watch special teams. I thought mm-hmm. Tyler Irvin was the biggest surprise in this game. I yep. was wondering why they kept him. He averaged 31.5, I think, on kickoff returns, 10 on a punt return. Gave him field possession. And Titans average, let's see, 60.5 on a kickoff return. Well, they one for a touchdown. Darius Jennings had a 96-yard touchdown. And then the punt returners, Dory Jackson and Rashad Matthews, averaged 22 yards on punt returns. Mm. And then they gave up a 102-yarder that cost them the game at Miami. So, And then Kern, as Rex Kern's a great punter, is I noticed that his – Grows 47, net 43 against the Texans. Ryan Suckup, I believe, is 9 of 10 field goals against the Texans. So special teams are going to be big in this game. And Trevor Daniel going, his he's from Dixon, which is about oh, yeah. 30, 40 minutes outside Nashville, played at the University of Tennessee. So he's got family, friends, former teammates, coaches. And Dixon's going to have to have to shut down everybody coming to see Trevor Daniel. Let's go around and talk about some of the other action in the AFC South as the Jacksonville Jaguars will host the New England Patriots. What do you make of this one? This is going to be a huge game for both teams, really. This may be the best weekend of the season for matchups. If you go Mm -hmm. over individual matchups, are going, wow, how did they get so many good games? Now, this one... They knew that they're probably both going to be unbeaten, and it's a matchup of the AFC Championship game in which Jacksonville was ahead, and Tom Brady brought them from behind to win. That's very unusual, of course, 
at Gillette Stadium, Brady doing that. <laughs> I don't know. The Jaguars struggled to beat the Giants. Leonard Fournette went out with a hamstring injury. They said it was not serious. Bortles didn't throw for 200 yards. But we don't know how good or bad the Giants are. Maybe and, they're better than we thought. And the defense played really, really well. So they won 15-10 to 10 at the Giants. Maybe they're looking ahead to the Patriots. I don't know. But I do know this, Mark. I never picked the Patriots to lose. That's just been something I've mm. been doing now for a long time. And I'm right almost all the time. So I'm picking the <laughs> Patriots to win. But if Jacksonville does win and get revenge to start 2-0, and uh, that bodes very well for them for the rest of the season despite Bortles. I mean, I can't believe how big those games with the Jags are this year. But let's focus on Tennessee. If you're a Texans coach or player right now however we're not so we'll focus on some of the other games Colts at the Redskins general all right so Andrew Luck comes back throws a couple of touchdowns Colts lose because the defense can't stop people they lose to the Bengals at home now they go to Washington to square off with the Redskins I have no idea what to make of this one other than Alex Smith and the Redskins I kind of like their chances in this one what about the Colts though as they enter week two 39 of 53 that's the most completions he's ever had. He got knocked down nine times. He was sacked twice. And he said later he felt like he'd been in a car wreck. That's good because he needed to know he could get hit like that. So did the coaches, fans, and teammates. They're going to be better. But Washington goes to Arizona. New coach Steve Wilkes. I picked Arizona to win. Thought Sam Bradford would play well. Stunk it up. Washington wins 24-6. to Mm-hmm. Alex Smith, you know, is a really good regular season quarterback, but not in the playoffs. Can you imagine if the Redskins start 2-0, and which they should? Right. And Andrew Luck is, is basically all they got. He threw a pass to tight end Jack Doyle. They they had a chance to go back ahead, even though they, they'd been leading midway through the third quarter, and Doyle fumbled on the run. And so they played, I think, better than the final score indicates. And in Washington, I'm just I'm stunned. Adrian Peterson shocked everybody. But he had a couple of great games last year, too, and then he ran out of gas. So Washington and Peterson are fun stories to keep an eye on. All right, I'm going to bounce around to the NFC now. With the uh, I know we talked about the Redskins in the NFC, but we were talking about an AFC South game right there. But the Giants, next up for the Texans next week in the home opener, will be at Dallas this Sunday night. So back-to-back trips to Texas for the New York Giants in store. But what's going on with the Cowboys? They lost to Carolina, and the Giants, as you mentioned, fell to the Jags last week. Carolina's pretty good. Uh, Ron Rivera's defense is great. Cowboys scored eight points. Uh, Dak Prescott looked lost. Ezekiel Elliott shut down. I don't know what they're thinking about Alan Hearns being able to step up. They just didn't have weapons. And they're missing two starters in their offensive line. So they just were not good offensively. Their defense looked good. You know, mm-hmm. they. I, I think the Cowboys should win this game. But if the Giants were to escape with a win, it wouldn't surprise me because the Giants have had a habit of winning at uh, AT&T Stadium. Not to project or anything, John, but if the Cowboys have an off year, and that's entirely possible, they did go 9-7 and last year. A lot of people don't really remember that. It was a non-playoff year, but they had a winning record. But is Garrett in any kind of trouble there if they pull up a six and ten or seven and nine? Or Everybody something? thinks he's in trouble every year. And what if they start off bad? He fired Wade Phillips early in the season, and Wade had won a playoff game. Yeah, you look back, Wade the Wade Phillips era was short lived as it was. It was the best since uh, Barry Switzer left. 
And when <laughs> and I say Switzer because he won a Super Bowl with Jimmy Johnson's players, yeah. but uh, Jason Garrett has not been successful as a Cowboys coach, but it's pretty obvious to everyone Jerry Jones loves him, and Jerry spends a lot of money. You know, they keep getting guys that get suspended, and maybe that's Jerry's philosophy, but uh, I could see him getting fired during the season if they get off to a bad start. I think this Broncos-Raiders game is interesting in the sense that you want to see if the Raiders really do have anything and you want to see that Derek Carr-John Gruden relationship fleshed out one more time on the field. And then the Broncos, Case Keenum throws three picks, but they win anyway. What do you make of this one Sunday afternoon? I picked Denver. The Raiders I don't think are very good. Carr had three interceptions. And like Casey didn't throw three touchdown passes. To offset it. Gruden yeah. said this week, we didn't find that open receiver. We didn't do this, but obviously he's taking shots at Carr. Yep. And Gruden's success in Oakland and with Tampa with older quarterbacks, Rich Gannon and Brad Johnson, McCarr is more talented than any quarterback he's had since he was a gopher in Green Bay and Brett, Brett Favre was the quarterback. So, actually, he, when he was in Philadelphia, I came remember, it was Donovan McNabb was there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, the, people are wondering about will he scream and yell and go ballistic, become Chucky on Carr like the others. Arzy thinks Carr needs to be handled in a different manner, but they were certainly off to a bad start after getting blown out in the second half at home by the Rams. You mentioned lots of good matchups. I don't know if this is a good one, but it's always a good rivalry. The Jets and the Dolphins get together at the Meadowlands, and both teams are on the Texans' schedule. Unbeaten, undefeated showdown. Yeah, they're both 1-0. The Dolphins in that weird one with Tennessee, which took all day long, and the Jets in a surprising blowout on the road. Monday night against That Detroit. was the biggest head-scratcher, the worst coaching job. First-year coaches were 0-7. The worst job was turned in by Matt Patricia. Yikes. Defensive genius. They were horrendous offensively, defensively, and they fired Jim Caldwell. He'd gone 9-7 and last year. He'd also finished 11-5 and and 9-7. and Matthew Stafford looked horrible. And uh, the best coaching job of those 0-7 coaches was Mike Nagy at Chicago. Yeah. Took a miracle for by Aaron Rodgers for for the Bears to lose, but I just I I just I I can't believe it. I saw a great tweet by one of the Pro Football Talk guys making up imaginary conversations in either with Belichick or Robert Kraft. Okay, it was quotes that said. Okay, Josh, we don't want you to go to Indianapolis, so we're going to pay you like a head coach. Here's four million a year. Okay, Matt, thank you for your service. Uh, nice knowing you. Good luck. <laughs> oh, that's funny. They let him go, and look what's happening right I'm now. It's only one game. Jets, J-E-T-S, to go 2-0, and and all those media people already comparing him to Namath will look even more foolish. Well, the thing is, Jim Caldwell has actually won games in this league. so Three years winning record. Yeah, sometimes you just better be careful what you ask for. You might get it, and you might not like what you get. Okay, Let's go to Buffalo, where the Bills are hosting the Chargers, and the Chargers are surprising 0-1. A lot of people thought they'd beat Kansas City, although you and I talked about this last week, and I picked the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game. 
And the Bills are awful and intentionally awful, John. I mean, how surprised are you that they're going this path? I picked them as them as my worst team in my first ranking. And you said the Bills, really? And I said, yeah. yeah. And I knew they were going to be terrible. They lost three starters in their offensive line. But the and intent. Nathan Peterman is awful. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen's going to get beat up. It'll be uh, baptism by fire. And I still feel they'll be the worst team in the league. And the Chargers, after losing to the Chiefs, Mahomes looked really good last week. I'll tell you, he did. Now they're going to Pittsburgh, right? Uh, yeah. Pittsburgh coming off a tie despite committing, what, six turnovers? That was a weird game. And James Conner has almost 200 yards total offense, 135 rushing, a couple of touchdowns, and they still get tied by the Browns. If Mahomes can go to Heinz Field, it won't be like, yeah, uh, he was in in uh, L.A. because the stands all yeah. of the twenty five thousand, it looked like twenty were wearing red. Sure, a small sea of red. Chiefs Kingdom, and up there it's going to be black and gold, not mm-hmm. a sea of red. So if he can go in there and help them start two and zero, I'm going to get really pumped about what Patrick Mahomes uh, can do. But I think the Steelers are going to bounce back in that game. think the Chargers will win. But I feel so bad for Phillip Rivers and those players to play what's supposed to be home games, and the stands are full of opposing jerseys. It, the whole thing doesn't make any sense to me at all. Why they there? Why they money, are there? Money, yeah, that's I know. All. Money, money, but, money. But how much money are they going to make in Cronky Stadium anyway? They're going to be a tenant. I don't get it. All right, so the Buccaneers hosting the Eagles, John, and the road to the Super Bowl clearly goes, goes through, through Tampa, Tampa. That's right. After what they did to the Saints, my goodness. But this is a surprising thing. Ryan Fitzpatrick can still play. Obviously, the Eagles can too. What do you think of this one? Nick Foles hopes when he grows up, he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Because Foles is a backup quarterback. He's a quality backup quarterback. And um, if the defending Super Bowl champions lose to Fitzmagic, the Bucs will be the story of the season. And then they play Pittsburgh after that. What if they go 3-0? Winston's ready to come back. I don't think he's starting. I think they're keeping him out and they're going with Fitzpatrick. You know that Ryan will come crashing down to earth at some point, maybe Sunday. But what an incredible story. What, put, how often do you score 40 points at home and lose by eight? Now, the Saints, I thought they had defense. They had defense last year, but clearly oh, they don't have defense. They had it yet. traded up to get Marcus Davenport, the defensive end, and they got good pass rushers, and he just lit up their secondary. Now, the Browns are coming to town, and I think Drew Brees is going to take it out on the Browns, and I believe – to Rod Taylor, who was 19 of 40, this could be his last start yeah. because it's only a matter of time before Baker Mayfield is playing. You don't draft a guy first overall, and I don't care what you Jackson said about uh, Taylor's going to be the starter this year. If, if you're going to lose and your offense is going to be bad and can't capitalize on six turnovers, then you might as well go with the rookie. But I think the Saints are going to light it up and get going to look like we thought they would look a week ago. John, what do you have going on in the Chronicle? Um, I have a thing about Will Fuller and his importance of coming back to the lineup and how he's had two great games against the Titans. We'll have stories through the weekend, and we'll all be up there covering it. And as always, Mark, thank you very much. Thank you, General. Now, it's our Choose Fun Moment of the Week brought to you by Carnival. Don't forget to enter for your chance to win a cruise every week if the Texans catch a touchdown. Carnival, official cruise line of the Houston Texans, Choose Fun. And I choose to visit with John Harris 
don't get a chance to visit with him as the week progresses much. We do Texans Monday together and then a segment on Wednesday. But I thought I'd get you on here tonight, Johnny, to talk about some of the uh, developments with the Houston Texans heading into week two as they take on the Tennessee Titans, some of the nuances. First of all, and I had Mike Keith on the podcast, and I know you'll have him on the show tomorrow, but – the offense with Matt LaFleur, how much did we learn in game one of the Matt LaFleur, Mike Vrabel, Dean Pease era about the way this thing might run? Because his point was that even though Deion Lewis ran for more yards, Henry had a big run called back because yep. of a holding penalty, yep. and you never know. They, they think Henry's definitely going to be the guy. The stats were somewhat skewed in one direction from Sunday's activity. Well, I think there are a couple of reasons. I, I don't take a, a ton out of what happened. First of all, you got a four-hour four delay, four-and-a-half-hour four delays, two of them, one in the second quarter and then one in the third quarter. So that disrupts your rhythm. Then you're playing without Jack Conklin a right tackle. Yeah. And then at some point you lose Taylor Luan to a concussion. So you lose both your tackles. And then Mariota gets banged up. So he's kind of in and out of the game in between the, the delays. And then you lose Delaney Walker at the end. So watching their offense, you can see, it, knowing that LaFleur came from McVay's Rams, you can see that in the offense. Mm-hmm. But they want to run the ball. There's no doubt. They want to run Henry and run Lewis and, and pound those guys. It's not exotic smash mouth. But they want to run the football, and by running the football, not just talking about just handing the ball off to them, throwing the ball to Deion Lewis in space, throwing right. screen passes to Derrick Henry, finding ways to run the ball differently. So the Texans front seven going to get tested from that perspective. Now the, the key is what happens, because Lady Walker's out for the year. That's a big injury for them. Big, big, big. But what happens with Luan? If Luan is able to get back, then the tackle situation is okay, mm-hmm. not great, but Dennis Kelly will be the, the the right tackle, and then Luan will be the left. If it's not Luan, then it's kind of dicey for them. And I don't know how much they're, they're going to have to do a lot of quick game, a lot right. of quick stuff, and then run the ball and hope they pop a couple of runs against this run defense because they're not going to be able to hold up too long against this pass rush. Now, what is the review of Mariota, really? What's the prescription? One game doesn't tell you a whole lot, as you mentioned, numerous delay. Well, the two delays and the elbow injury and everything like that. Assuming Mariota somehow gets to Sunday healthy, what do you think? Well, I think from a Texas standpoint, there's Mariota's always got a little bit of an advantage because you can't just send the house at him. Now, you could against Brady. You could send the house at Brady if you wanted to. He, You know where he was going to be. Mariota, you could send the house at him, send five or six guys after him, and there's no telling that he'll be there because he could pop a seam up in the middle and then boom, away he goes, and he's out the gate running, and you got your back to him because you're playing man coverage. Aren't I better off taking my chances that way, though, sometimes? Because sometimes. Brady will beat you because he knows where the open guy is. Right. Mariota might not, and yeah, he might escape, but maybe you take that risk. And to that end, last year, well, I think even more important is trying to utilize your disguises. Last year, you utilized them very, very well, and that led to Andre Howe's two interceptions. They were just disguises in the secondary, and he thought he had one thing, and then they showed him something else post-snap, and he missed it. So I think the the thing with Mariota is, as he's getting more c- accustomed to seeing different defenses, just keep showing him different looks. Just keep showing him different looks, and sometimes with the same personnel, show him different looks. And he's not going to be as pinpoint accurate as Brady is going to be. That that you know. But if you're going to give them Deion Lewis out in the flat, he's going to take that. He's it, yeah. it's basically a long toss. Hey, Deion, take this. So I think 
and, and DJ Reader talked about it yesterday. Stopping the run is paramount. You get Henry just shut down. If you shut down Henry, okay, let's you know let's focus on Lewis because I think they want to get Lewis involved in the game plan. I think they like what he brings to the offense. I think Lafleur wants to get him involved in the offense, but they're going to do different things. If you think about a Shanahan, because this is kind of where it all stems from. It stems from the Mike to Kyle Shanahan to Sean McVay to Matt Lafleur. It all kind of flows together. So if you think about a Shanahan-coached offense, they're going to run zone, they're going to run zone. Oh, here comes zone boot. Oh, they just ran zone boot. Okay, here comes zone boot throwback, which they used to throw to Owen Daniels yeah. a lot. So there are a lot of different things where guys have got to stay home. They've got to be smart about the way they go about this. Because if you don't stay home, if you get away from your technique and your discipline, they're going to end up popping a big play. One of the big plays in the game against Miami, they ran zone boot and then threw it back. So Miami goes one way with the zone, and then, oh, he's booting, and so everybody takes off the other way, and here comes the tight end running a wheel route on the opposite side, and nobody picked him up. Mariota tosses it, drops in the bucket. They end up scoring in a play after that. Now, what they will do without Delaney Walker is, to me, very, very interesting. How they go about it. John o. Smith's a good athlete. He's not the player that Delaney Walker is. Right. So what, how they figure out a way to take those seven, eight targets Delaney Walker was absolutely guaranteed to get and spread those out. I think some go to Deion Lewis. I think some are, some more are going to go to Corey Davis. All right, so the Titans' defense coached by Dean Pease, and Miami didn't exactly light it up on the scoreboard, but they won 27-20. They got a return. Each team got a return for a touchdown. Dolphins had, like, one really nice drive in the whole game, but yep. they were able to piece it together in other ways. What do you think of the way the Titans' defense might operate this year's version? Well, I think they're going to be very physical in the corners. Think of that game at Baltimore last year. And one of, the, one of the images of that game is DeAndre Hopkins' jersey completely ripped down the yeah. side. You know, Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr just beat the heck out of him. And I think that's what you're going to see from Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler to that extent. Now, Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr are much bigger corners than Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan are, but they're going to try and beat him up. What about Adoree Jackson, though? Man, and Adoree is going to be the guy that probably covers your guys in the slot, as my guess. Now, you might bump one of them inside, Malcolm or Logan Ryan inside, and they'll let Adoree on the outside, but they're going to be as physical as possible. And, and look, Adoree can run. We know that. We know he can't run with Will Fuller if Will's 100% healthy because we've seen that dating back to the days when both were at USC and Notre Dame, respectively. Mm. But that's, I think, how they're going to have to try and attack this with Adoree running with Will. But I think that was one of the things that the Patriots did a really good job against us, and, and hopefully the Titans aren't able to do that. But they mauled us. They mm-hmm. mauled us. They were so physical, especially with Ryan Griffin. Patrick Chung just obliterated Ryan. I mean, he was grabbing and holding the entire – I mean, he's holding 15 yards downfield sometimes. So the, the Texans have got to do a way to get the ball out fast, not let that physicality be an issue. But I would, I would expect that. That was Dean P's attack in Baltimore. Against uh, against Hopkins and company, I would imagine it'll be this week as well. But when you do that, if you miss, and it's Will Fuller, he's by you. See you. It's six, and that's the one thing they got to take advantage of. But guys, have got to get open a little bit quicker this week. I think that's going to be the key because you got two decent safeties. Not decent. They're good safeties. Kenny Carr had a pick last week. Kevin Byard led the league in interceptions. So there's some ball hawks back there uh, that can that will maybe not be. At a Chung McCourty level, notoriety wise, but those guys can play. Uh, they're going to miss Jonathan Cyprian making tackles near the line of scrimmage. So if they can establish the run and do that well and pull one of those safeties into the box consistently, then I think they'll be able to get what they want down the field. What does Bill O'Brien do with Deshaun Watson week two to get him comfortable if you even need to do that? I mean, 
I'm thinking you might need to just get him some easy stuff early just to get him going, but maybe I'm wrong about that. No, I think you're right. I think I think easy stuff. And, and you know, I'll go back to, to last week against the Patriots. You know, throw to Ryan Griffin on third down after they had given up the touchdown after the fumble and the touchdown, they get the ball back, it's third down, third and five. And Griff's open, and Deshaun throws it right to the right spot, and Griff stumbles. So from that standpoint, he it wasn't as if he – I mean, that, that's an easy throw to Deshaun. He had right. time. Over the middle. He threw, he threw Griff to an open spot, and Griff just stumbled. He just didn't get there. So I think you just have to do what it is that you do well and, and do it often and do it fast. And fast, I mean tempo-wise. The more that your tempo is picked up, I think the better off this entire offense is going to be. I think when this offense plays slow, kind of slogs through, I think that ends up being a problem for them. But when they're playing fast, guys get lined up fast. They know where they're going. You don't have to worry about this. Hey, no, you go over here, you go over there. When they get out of whatever huddle they're going to be in, and they just go, just go. First play, six yards, get up, run the next play. Everybody's lined up, ready to go, let's go. When they play with up-tempo, I think that's when Deshaun really shines. I think that's when this offense really shines. All right, spotlight on DJ Reader for a moment. I don't want to get carried away with two sacks. Great start for him, though, playing defensive end or nose tackle or wherever they line him up, depending on need. But what are we looking at here in his development as a player? How good can he be? Uh, I think he's been exceptional. And when I think about DJ, I can't, I can't help but think about the 2015 season at Clemson. He, his father had passed away. He was having a tough time dealing with it. He stepped away from football. And I thought, man, what if he had just just decided not to go back? I'm just not going back. His heart's not in it. But he ended up realizing that football, that's where his family was, and he wanted to go back. And then from that point forward, he's gotten better and better every single rep. And it's funny because I, we hear J.J. He said it on Wednesday as well. He's like, you know, I've said that he's the best nose guard in the league. And I, and I don't and nothing against J.J., but I, I feel like that's in some sense disingenuous because – DJ can play. You mentioned it. He can play defensive end in a 3-4. If you want to put Brandon Dunn over the center, you can put DJ Reader if you're playing your base at defensive end. But he, on the first sack, they screwed up the blocking assignment, but still Reader blew right through. Brady didn't have time. He had no time to even – I mean, Reader was on him. He's quick. He's strong. He knows how to use his hands. He's getting better and better with how to use his leverage. He is very difficult. And this is a good test for him against Ben Jones and Quentin Spain. This is a good test, I think, for DJ Reader. But DJ's better than those guys I just mentioned. So he can dominate the game on the inside and allow those linebackers to go make plays. And I think that's the biggest thing, especially in the run game, to dominate up front such that they can't move you. They've got to devote two, even three blockers to you, and your linebackers are going to make him plays. That's what makes a defensive tackle one of the best in the league, and I think he can be one of the best in the league. Johnny, thanks a lot. Got it, Mark. Thank you. That's John Harris, the hardest-working, most knowledgeable sports media member in the city of Houston, and it's not even close. Hey, calling all Houston-area teachers, you want to bring a little Texans football to the classroom? Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by Phillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third- and fourth-graders tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Now time for Houston Methodist Minutes. Let's learn about hamstrings with Dr. David Braunreiter from Houston Methodist. How's it going, doctor? How are you doing today, Mark? I'm doing well, and the topic is hamstrings. And this is sort of the injury du jour. A lot of Texans players suffering from this. So what happens when you have a hamstring injury? What is technically going on there, doctor? Well, the hamstring is a really strong muscle. It's in the back of the thigh. It connects the hip to the knee, and it helps extend the hip and, and bend the knee. 
And it's a very powerful muscle that's involved in decelerating and pushing off. Um, when it gets injured, it can it can actually happen when uh, the foot's planted hard and as you're taking off and the knee's fully extended. And it can do anything from a, a stretch to a full thickness tear. You grade them from one to three, with one being a very minor stretch and three being the worst case scenario. Most of them that we're going to see are going to be in the in the grade two category. So what's the recovery time from a grade two type hamstring? I guess it varies on the individual, right? Yeah, it's really difficult because it it can be it can look like it's healed from a physical point of view, but because the scar tissue needs to fill in, um, sometimes the scar tissue is different than normal. They're typically in a four to six weeks time range. Now, these athletes are so well-conditioned, doctor. There's no question that they're in great shape. And I'm wondering, why doesn't the general public get more hamstrings? Is it because we're not pushing off like they are? I mean, they're taking their body to the greatest heights. What is happening there technically? I think you're probably dealing with, you're dealing with an activity that puts you at risk. So typically, this is an injury that requires a lot of high-level stress or strength that is not really done when you're running on a treadmill or working out in the gym. It's typically an explosive sprint with a stop-start or a jump. It's probably why we don't see it very often in the average person. What's the best prevention for a hamstring injury? Probably warming up properly and maybe uh, having a good strengthening program in between events if you're participating in events. But keeping up with a good flexibility and strength program is, is good. All right, doctor. We thank you so much for the time. Thank you, Mark. Dr. David Braunreiter of Houston Methodist for the fall sports season. Houston Methodist Orthopedics and Sports Medicine is offering its convenient sports injury clinics for student-athletes around the Houston area. And they're open Saturday mornings in the Bay Area, Baytown, West Houston, Sugarland, the Woodlands, and Willowbrook. For more information, log on to HoustonMethodist.org slash athlete. The official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. Well, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you the General John McClain. Thank you, the general. Thank you, John Harris, and thank you, Dr. David Braunreiter. Texans, Titans, Sunday at noon. We'll be back on the air tomorrow at 6 p.m. And check out HoustonTexans.com for all the videos, podcasts, everything to do with your Texans. Have a great evening, everyone. Thursday Night Football is next. Go, Texans.